Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 120 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today we have two listener questions, and we are going to be talking about dating and finding new love after divorce, and how to avoid attracting bad men, and how to attract good guys. So it's going to be an interesting episode. Let's get started with our first question. Hi, Natalie. My name is May. Uh, I left my husband about one and a half years ago, and I am in the middle of my divorce. Uh, About a month ago, I met a guy on Facebook, and we started chatting. I feel a connection with him, and I thought that I finally met a good guy, and I can see the the end of my tunnel. Um, But it ends up that it's all being a scam, and I lost a lot of money. So my question is this. uh, Was it me that... Uh, I keep attracting bad guys into my life. Uh, Do I need to change myself, like being less kind and good, so I will stop attracting bad guys who want to take advantage of me? Okay, this is a great question, and I actually get this question quite a bit, especially in the Flying Higher program, which is specifically for divorced Christian women who are rebuilding their lives. They invested you know, sometimes decades of their lives in an abusive relationship. And then they spent sometimes years working on getting out and suffering the loss of their marriage and their family, friends, church, sometimes their children, their financial security and their marital home. And now they'd like to start over and potentially make new friends and possibly even find a healthy partner to walk through life with but they're scared of ending up back in the same mess that they just got out of. They want to know how to foolproof their life, how to repel dysfunctional men rather than attract them, and how to attract a good guy. So here's how I see this. Abusers are men, or they, you know, they can be women, okay? I'm not saying that, but my work is with female victims, so I'm going to be talking about the abuser as being male in this episode and all episodes that I do, just little caveat there. So abusers are men who are stuck in emotional childhood. What's emotional childhood? That's just when a person remains stuck in this phase of childhood where they're unable to take responsibility for their own behavior. They see the world only through their own limited lens, kind of like a toddler only being able to see what's inside of his backyard and thinking that that's the only perspective there is. Everything is black and white, it's good and bad, it's right and wrong, it's in and out, and there's always an authority figure to tell you which is which. Now, take this same toddler, if a man grows up, but he never develops past this stage, and then he's told that he is the authority figure, that's an interesting recipe for disaster. This is like giving a toddler a sword. He decides now what is right or wrong, in or out, good or bad, (laughs) um, black and white, based on his immature and limited perspective, his little backyard. And he views other people like little Lego characters in his mind. And these little Lego characters need to do what he imagines that they should do according to his programming or his manual for life. When a real person, like a wife or a girlfriend, deviates from his pretend version of them, he feels threatened 
and he'll do whatever it takes to get her to go back to being and doing what he says that she must be or do. Now, there are a lot of men out there who are stuck in this stage of human development. They are always right, and everyone else is wrong. There is no gray. There is no nuance. There are no differences of opinions or ideas or preferences. And if there are, they are wrong. And if you are in a relationship with them, then you belong to them and their imaginary world. And for some of these men, you know, as long as you cooperate and you join their pretend world, um, you're going to be treated okay. Oftentimes, the beginning of a relationship is like this. You kind of you join, you enter into their pretend world. You don't even realize it's a pretend world until you actually begin to show up as yourself, and then you find out that was not a good idea. Now, so some so some men, you know, they'll treat you okay as long as you're in their little world. Other men fall along the more dangerous end of the bell curve. And these are, would be the more bullyish kind, they would be like the bully boy on the playground who bullies other people for kicks and giggles. So you'll think that you're cooperating. You could even be cooperating exactly doing everything that he wants you to do, but he will still say that you're not, or he'll change the rules at the last minute to justify his abusing you. Now, there's another type of guy out there. There are emotional adults. And these are men who see women as equal adults in full color. They respect women. They enjoy them. They enjoy learning from them. They gain wisdom from their male-female relationships. They don't see women as sex objects, but rather as whole, contributing, valuable, and equal members of the human race. And these men aren't pretending because they're adults. They are rooted in reality. They understand that you have a different opinion, mind, will, and perspective than they do. And they don't expect you to buy into theirs. Now, I know these men exist because my dad was a man like this, and I'm married to a man like this. They are safe because you get to be you when you are with them. You get to be you without any shame or blame. They don't pretend like they know who you are and you don't. The other important clue that you're dealing with an emotional adult is that they always take personal responsibility. So they're not about controlling you or everybody else. They let everyone else control themselves, but they are all about self-control. This is called adulting, when we take control of ourselves and we let go of control of the, all the other people. So you can give them feedback and they are interested in it because they actually enjoy self-development and growing wiser. They are self-aware. They usually have a high EQ. And all of this, by the way, applies to your female relationships as well. You know, if you find yourself constantly struggling in friendships where your friends are controlling and manipulating you or shaming and blaming you, then you're hanging out with emotional children. And we love them, but they're not going to encourage your growth and development simply because they are unable to do that for themselves. Now, when one or both people in a relationship are living out of emotional childhood most of the time, you're going to have a dysfunctional, lopsided relationship at best and an abusive one at worst. So how do you avoid attracting emotional children and how do you attract an emotional adult? First of all, what do emotional children look for in a relationship? An emotional, someone who's operating out of emotional childhood wants what they want when they want it, and that's usually now. So if it's a guy, they will, are going to want sex as soon as possible. They believe that their needs are paramount and that you exist to meet those needs. Now, it's interesting because Christian women are groomed 
from the pulpit to meet the needs of men. So Christian women are great candidates for these for emotionally immature men. Another thing emotionally immature men want is um, they always need to be right. Remember that a toddler only sees life from his perspective. He has no idea that there are other perspectives, other cultures, other ideas, or other valid opinions to consider. Now, if he has to be right, that means that whenever you disagree, you will be wrong. Always. So he's looking for a woman who's going to buy into his imaginary world and allow him to be right all the time. A woman who's not going to offer a different opinion or a different perspective. Now, Christian women are groomed from the pulpit to believe that their hearts are deceitful. So it is likely that if their opinion is different from a man's, the man is most likely correct. This makes her the perfect candidate for an emotionally stunted man. Number three, if he is always right, then whenever he has problems or consequences for, to, you know, to his behavior, guess what? It's not his fault. It's your fault or the boss's fault or the kid's fault, but it's never his fault. He doesn't do anything wrong. So he's going to look for a woman who's an easy scapegoat, someone who will take the blame, someone who will take all the responsibility, someone who will let him off the hook and enable him to justify his poor behavior. Now, Christian women are groomed from the pulpit to believe that they are dirty, rotten sinners who stumble men with their curves and smiles. So they come to the table already feeling guilty and primed to take the blame for whatever goes wrong in the emotionally stunted man's life. She is the perfect candidate for him. Number four, men operating from emotional childhood have temper tantrums when things don't go their way. They're unable to control their emotions and they lack self-awareness to understand that their emotions are a result of their own thoughts and beliefs of entitlement and not someone else's responsibility. Some of these types of men will rage in an overt kind of a way and others will rage in a more covert, passive-aggressive way, but they will take out their anger on their target. Now, Christian women are groomed from the pulpit to forgive and forget and overlook a multitude of sins, so they come to the table ready to be a punching bag for their toddler husband or boyfriend. They are the perfect candidate for him. And number five, emotionally immature men are insensitive. Do toddlers have the ability to understand the nuances of a situation and how others in the room are reacting or why? No, and neither do men like this. They don't understand the emotions of others, nor do they care to understand. Christian women are groomed from the pulpit to die to themselves, to take up their cross, to lay down their lives, and to suffer in silence. So they come ready to accept not being listened to, not being understood, not being empathized with, and they believe that that's normal. They are the perfect candidate for an insensitive, immature man. So I hope I've given you a good picture of the emotionally immature man and the good Christian woman that he is looking to exploit. If you don't want to attract a man like that, does that mean that you have to be a mean, hard, bitchy woman? No, because an emotionally mature man isn't looking for a mean, hard, bitchy woman either. And my guess is that you would like to attract an emotionally mature man. So what does an emotionally mature man look for in a relationship? I decided to ask my husband. He was a bachelor until he married me. He was 50 years old when he married me. I was 51. I robbed the cradle. Here's what he told me. He said he always wanted an independent woman. 
He wanted someone who had a life she loved and was whole and complete by herself. He wanted someone who had self-confidence and didn't need him to stroke her or make her feel like she was worthy because she already knew she had intrinsic worth. He wanted a woman that he could respect and admire. The second thing he said is he told me he wanted an opinionated woman. Now, I laughed when he said that because I am an opinionated woman, and maybe that's why he picked me, right? I asked him why he wanted an opinionated woman, and he said, because I want them to believe what they believe. I wanted someone who would be authentic and transparent enough to be themselves. I wanted someone who had courage and conviction and wasn't afraid to say what they, they thought. The third thing he said is he wanted someone who had a sense of humor. And again, I asked him why that was important to him. And he said he wanted his partner to be able to laugh at herself and her mistakes and not take her faults so seriously. He wanted her to be confident in who she was, warts and all. So he was coming to the table ready to accept a woman with warts, you know, to accept an imperfect woman. And he wanted her to accept herself that way as well. And you know what? He got an imperfect woman, and he and I, we get along great. Number four, he wanted someone with life experience. Um, For him, as he got older, he wasn't looking for a younger woman. He wasn't attracted to youth. He was attracted to wisdom and the ability to be resilient through the hard knocks of life. He wanted someone who wasn't going to crumble and fall apart when life got rough. And then finally, he said he was looking for a woman with similar values, He said she didn't have to have the same religion or vote the same politics, but she had to have a good heart and strong morals, and she had to love other people and care about justice for the disenfranchised. Now, does that sound like he was looking for a mean, hard, bitchy woman? Nope. But it also doesn't sound like your typical Christian woman who has been groomed to be a doormat for the toddler in a grown-up man's body, right? So back to the original question, how do you stop attracting toddler men? You'll need to rewire the programming that your religion or your home culture has downloaded into your brain that has perfectly groomed you and set you up to be an abuse victim. And then once you have your new programming and you're loving your badass adult self exactly the way your creator made you, the toddler men are going to run a million miles per hour in the other direction. Now, they might try. They might test you out to see if you are who you say you are. But if you don't flinch and you stand strong, they are not going to be attracted to you because they're looking for easy, all right? The mature adult men are going to wonder where the heck you've been their whole lives. Now, this is exactly the work that we do in the Flying Higher program, which is a program for women of faith who are divorced, in fact, we're in the middle at the time of this podcast, we are going to be we're going to be in the middle of a dating course and um you we, you can't join right now. The program is closed, but you can hop on the waiting list for the next opening if you go to joinflyinghire.com. And if you are a Christian woman who is not divorced, but you are still married to someone who you think might be operating out of emotional childhood, I'd like to help you too, and you um, you can join Flying Free, and that is um, something you can get on the waiting list for. It's at joinflyingfree.com. Okay, so let's listen to our next question, which is kind of is a good question to follow up on this one. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith in destructive relationships called Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, 
A Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. You can read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. And new for 2020, I've created a companion workbook for Is It Me, also available on Amazon. This workbook is like 11 power-packed therapy sessions to help you process through the important material you'll be learning from my book. These books are recommended by counselors and therapists all over the United States. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called flyingfreenow.com. I'll even give you the first chapter of my book and the first chapter of my companion workbook for free when you hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those two resources are going to help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. And now, let's get back to our episode. I need to thank you so very much for letting me know how the church has manipulated me. What they've told me that God really didn't mean or intend that way. And that women are also part of it, not just men. I'd also like a podcast about once we escape, how do we move on and what are our next steps? I have no interest in a man ever again. This is a loaded question. How do you move on? I mean, there's so many things, so many rabbit trails I could go down here. Um, It's also kind of a similar question, only this listener is not interested in a new relationship, which I want you guys to know is totally fine and absolutely normal as well. Not everyone wants to have a partner. And I think to be a good partner, it's important to be your own best advocate and partner first anyway. And this is why the first course that I brought the Flying Hire members through was a course on discovering themselves and how to fall madly in love with who God made them to be. I think it's the first step to everything amazing in your life. And it's the first step too not just about yourself, but it's the first step to changing your world. So what are your next steps? I think your next steps once you're out of your relationship is to heal. You need to learn how to process negative emotion, learn how to complete the stress cycle, learn what happened, why it happened, and how you can take your power back for the future. Number two, learn how to love yourself. Find out who you are. If God loves you and that's good enough for God, guess what? You can love you too contrary to what religious people will tell you. In fact, it's, it's the key to everything. Take personality tests. Try new things. Go back to school. Make mistakes and learn. Be okay with just being who you are. Number three, set achievable goals and work toward them. Gain some momentum around your life and your dreams, even if it starts really, really small. We do a lot of this work in Flying Higher. Number four, rewire your brain's programming. Learn how to do thought downloads so you can discover what's been baked inside your brain your whole life. Once you can see what you believe, then you can question it. You can decide if you want to keep it. And you can play with new thoughts and new beliefs that will maybe serve you better. Here's the thing. Rebuilding is not an overnight process. I can't wave a magic wand and say, oh, if you just do this ABC, you know, one, two, three, you will end up coming out the other side with this totally rebuilt life. That's, those are form formulas. And I think a lot of us in the Christian world are kind of used to hearing formulas. 
I mean, every sermon has a formula. And I just, I don't believe in formulas. I think it just takes time. It's a lifetime process. It's a journey. It's part of what life is. It's exciting. It's adventuresome. And you know where it starts? It starts in your mind. The Bible calls it renewing your mind. You create your life with your thoughts, with what you believe. Think about it. Everything you've ever done began with a thought. That thought grew into a plan, and then your brain set about concocting a way to execute that plan. I remember, for example, when I had the thought, and I don't actually remember the first time I had it, but I do remember it was after I was married and had some kids, I had this thought cross my mind that I wanted to start a business one day. Now, I had that thought for quite a, quite a few years, until one day, I had another thought. I had a thought that I wanted to learn how to make soap. And so I set about learning how to make soap. The business thing, I didn't know how to do, but I could learn how to make soap. I had Google and YouTube videos, and that's how I learned. And because that thought of starting a business had been percolating for a few years, my brain eventually connected those two things. And guess what? Apple Valley Natural Soap was born. And I grew that business for 10 years until I sold it and it is now paying for my kids' education. And guess what? It all began with a thought. So what do you want to do in your life? Start thinking. Start writing things down. And if you want help systematically doing all of these things that I just talked about, join Flying Higher when it opens up again. Um, here's just one of the many things that Fly, a Flying Higher member has, Flying Higher members have written to me over the past year. This is just one of them. Um, she wrote, here's an example of my growth from your classes. I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw a post about seven rules to live by. And here were my thoughts. It's interesting how lists like this would make me feel judged or shamed in the past if I didn't follow those rules, or I would feel uncomfortable or sad if the rule was one I felt was wrong or misplaced. I always felt like there was some expert who knew better than me how to live, or that I was a better expert if the rules went against my moral code. I think differently now. Now I can look at a list like this, thanks to Flying Higher, and look at it simply as someone else's rule book. I can choose to take it for myself or not. I have no need to judge it and determine if it's worthy or if that person needs to be corrected, but simply recognize it as their rule book. I can also look at someone else's rule book and find some rules that look good, and I might choose to add them to my life. It's such a newfound sense of freedom and respect. It saves me so much internal conflict. Thank you, Natalie, for enriching my life and many others as well. And just so you know, I don't see you as the ultimate authority. You are not a cult. You have done an excellent job empowering us women to choose for ourselves. For this, I am so grateful. But I also love that you point us back to Jesus. That is such a beautiful gift. You guys, I would love to help you in the same way someday. So if you're a divorced Christian woman, get on that waiting list, joinflyandhire.com. And if you're not divorced and you're still in your relationship with your husband, that's totally okay too. My, my original program is Flying Free. And it's, for, it's exactly made and created for you. And you can jump on that waiting list at joinflyingfree.com. Would you do me a favor? If this podcast episode was helpful to you, or if you enjoy listening to all the podcast episodes that we do here, would you go to Apple iTunes and leave a rating and review? 
it would really help us, it would help to get the word out to other people that this podcast exists. And it's one way that you can change your world. Also, we just really enjoy reading those reviews and we post them. We always post a new review on our website so that pe other people can read what you guys are saying. You can leave a rating or review anonymously. People pick all kinds of interesting little names for themselves so you don't have to be reveal who you are, which I know is important in this community. And that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, fly free.